You're listening to the Late Night Football Show with your host, Rohit Singh. That's me. On this show, we talk about some of the most serious, least silly topics from the world of football for your entertainment and enjoyment. Please remember that the show is BYOL. Bring your own laughs, since we don't have the budget for a studio audience. Happy listening. Hello everyone and welcome to Late Night Football. We are a day late and uh, well, it's going to be late night somewhere when this comes out. It's not going to be late night uh, when, when I upload it uh, in Toronto at least. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we, are, uh, we had some uh, technical issues. Uh, to be honest, I was quite like bored after watching the Chelsea United game. So I was like, I don't want to do a reaction show after watching what I saw. I don't know what I saw. <laughs> Um, but uh, we're doing it tonight, today. We've had a bit of a day to reflect as well on what we've seen. Uh, and, uh, well, we've got Jihan here with us, uh, joining joining me today for this show. And uh, Jihan is smiling because I think in some ways, I think both the results uh, that we're talking about, they kind of went your way, at least one and a half of it, of the two, I think, went your way. Well, <laughs> I can't say um, I yeah. can complain. Well, one, one and three quarters, I think, yeah, I think in the way that it was set up. But we'll talk about the games. Uh, and we just actually just uh, completed the uh, Liverpool, sorry, the Everton-Southampton game. I think that... Um, We'll also have some big repercussions for what the league is going to be. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but we're going to focus more on the games from yesterday. And uh, let's start. Let's get started. Let's talk about uh, the first one, the El Clasico. Uh, let's go. Let's go to Spain. Um, and uh, interesting game. I think it was more entertaining than uh, than we thought it would be. I uh, was just talking about it before the show began. I think it was, it was much more entertaining than we thought, much more open. But just starting with the lineup, I think Coleman took a brave call. Uh, I think a lot of people praised him for it. What do you think? You know, because... He started with three teenagers in his lineup. Not many people expected that, but but I, I suppose it's, it's it's good for him, right, to, to go to trust the players who've done well so far instead of going for big names. No, no, definitely, definitely. I mean, I think I've heard a lot of people complaining about uh, Ansu Fati's exclu- inclusion, but I mean, come on, he's been on really hot form, and right now is about the time that the youngsters need to come into the foray and they mm-hmm. need to step up and they need to be given the chance, and. And since they're rebuilding, I mean, come on, teenagers, they need to be included, yeah. Especially yeah. right now is the best time to learn under, well, Messi. Yeah. And, I mean, it's good because, I mean, you, you exclude big names, but if the big names are not performing and, uh, you know, they're not giving what you want, you, you go with the players who perform. So, um, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, there was a bit of a tactical change, though, because most people thought that Coutinho would play in midfield, but he played Coutinho on the wing. Uh, to right. basically uh, to basically make room for Fatih to play through the center, so maybe that might have been an issue. But then, where else do you play Fatih if you're not going to play a striker, which they didn't play? Uh, the only option would then be either to play Pedri as, as a false nine or play Fatih as a striker. So he did that, which which worked. It actually worked in that first half. At least I thought Barcelona were the better team on balance for the 90 minutes. You would say they were the. I don't know if you agree with that, but I thought they were the better team over the course of the 90 minutes. The substitutions, I think, at the 75th, 80th minute, they changed that changed the game. Then Real Madrid had like three, four quick chances in that second half. But I think aside from the last 10, 15 minutes, I thought Barca on, on balance and, you know, people will say what, you know, that was just my opinion was that Barcelona were getting a lot of good chances and Madrid were kind of hanging on. Uh, at least in, that, in the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, I don't know what your uh, impression of the game was. You're a Madrid fan, so you probably might disagree, but uh, what was your impression of the game as a whole? Well, First of all, I have to, one thing I have to say is hats off to the defense from Madrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been so leaky in recent times. And, well, Ramos just proved one thing. He is Captain Ramos. He's a leader. Uh, 
very good defensive organization of course they did concede that one goal but it's barcelona letting in one goal you would expect that mm-hmm. and i think ever since right after they conceded that goal right till then madrid were probably a bit shaky the attack did not seem they seemed out of sorts a bit the defense was probably still struggling to get into their line but right after they conceded i don't know maybe ramos shouted at his players enough uh very good defensive organization overall good performance from both teams barcelona is an attacking threat we've seen that we've seen that this match like you've said yes i do agree with you barcelona has had a stronger hold on the match but uh again the defense let them down yeah yeah and and that is where the issue i think that's where the issue is for barcelona yeah. and it's it's that defense uh the first goal that madrid scored uh, busquets i think let valverde run through and he then goes and finishes maybe he thought valverde was not going to get a chance to shoot but uh, that was bad defending the second goal was that a penalty uh let's just start was was that a penalty that madrid got do you think that should have been given? do you think that was a legit penalty no no any any i mean honestly it was needless yes it was a needless penalty but that has to be a penalty all day i mean the way it went down i mean probably the referee well, we doesn't have a Barcelona fan to counter so we'll have to take word for uh, it um, no no i mean i think by the exact rules uh, it it does go into a penalty book for me yeah no no definitely yeah i mean yeah but i mean you know it's a penalty and i think sometimes people just i think just that word penalty i think this sometimes gets people into debates and they sometimes think well it shouldn't be or not but but yes um but that but after that second goal and then barcelona made these changes it almost seemed like I mean, the, the the I read an article and said the changes made Barcelona worse because of what happened. But it did feel like Real Madrid suddenly were just like getting chances. They had like two or three chances before that goal that they scored. Uh, Neto made some really good saves uh, to keep Barcelona in the game. It, I mean, it just uh, in some ways it it justified Coman's selection at the start of the game because imagine if they had played that team for the full ninety minutes. But it just felt like Barcelona. I don't know. Maybe it was a mental thing. Maybe they were shot. Maybe they were like, well, we're not coming back in this game now, and they almost just gave up. or uh, maybe madrid grew in confidence it's it's unlikely to see a classico where the leading team in the last 10 minutes is actually doing much better than you know when you're 2-1 up you think okay we're going to try and defend but actually they were just like looking they were they were more likely to score the third goal which they did well i guess madrid were just working on momentum there uh they scored the second goal i mean which actually puts them one goal ahead mm-hmm. uh and this is classico so you do know that in a match in this kind of a match one goal leads are never enough Zidane is mature enough to understand that and he puts his team on the front and it's always there there are two things in a football game you're always more likely to concede right after you score and you also have more momentum more right after you score so i guess Zidane's insurance on going on that front pedal right after scoring that that was great that is what did ultimately lead to the third goal and again the leaky defense that's it i honestly if barca did not have that we could have seen the result going the opposite way easily yeah. yeah they haven't fixed that issue though yeah they haven't yet fixed them the, the i think the back four that started probably is their best back four you might make a case for umtiti but i don't know if he would have improved that defense much so i mean that probably is the best back four that barcelona have at this point and for them to basically not be able to um to come away with that might be might be a, might be an issue man might affect them but one thing though uh, is what i noticed is that it was very end to end and uh, it's good to watch as a neutral but you you kind of see why those two teams are struggling a bit in europe because you can't really play like that against against the you know the bars the bayern munich the liverpool so the world you can play like that because if you do you're going to get picked off very quickly so maybe that that offers us it offers it's great entertainment but it also offers a clue as to why the two teams are struggling in europe isn't it 
that and why they're unlikely to do. I mean, things can change between now and May. We know that, but it seems like that's one of the reasons why they have sort of felt fallen behind a little bit in the Champions League race at this point. Is, is that? I mean, yeah. Uh, again, this entire thing comes down to the fact that both teams are rebuilding. Uh, obviously, they're not. They, I don't expect them to play like this against, like you said, the PSGs and the Bayern Munichs and the Liverpools. Uh, we need, we should give them about six, seven, roughly, this kind of time to get their feet on the ground and kind of organize this entire team. You know, I mean, being a Chelsea fan, I can tell you that sometimes time is needed, right? I mean, we got all these new players, and all mm-hmm. of them need to be settled in. So even if Barcelona have or Madrid have not really brought in new players, they're kind of changing their entire structure around, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, I mean, since the Champions League, they obviously don't have those big teams to face right now. Maybe come February, if the calendar is going to go like normal or whenever they start the knockout stages, I think by then they have this entire thing sorted out. Yeah, that's that's the hope. That's the hope for sure. And who was your man of the match for this game? My man of the match, uh, unpopular opinion, but it has to go to Ramos. Almost. Why is that unpopular? I think most people would agree to pop- well, probably would give it because, to him. Because... Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's unpopular, but yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose he did a good job. I think he defensively kept it tight after that first goal. They needed a few blocks and um, definitely, definitely did a good, scored a good goal as well on the penalty. So yeah, I think on balance, I would go with Neto. I mean, I'll just say Neto because I think he made a few good saves in that second half that uh, would have kept... I, I can't make a case for any Barcelona player to other, otherwise to be man of the match. I don't know. But uh, yeah, well, we'll say Neto. Why not? Let's let's give something to Barcelona from this game. Uh, maybe they can be happy. They've got two good goalkeepers. I think that's something. It's not it's not always the best thing to have. But yeah, two good goalkeepers. They have two good goalkeepers. And I think that's that's definitely a positive to take for them from this game. Uh, but on that note, I think it's a, it's a congratulations to Real Madrid. Congratulations to the fans for winning the El Clasico. Zidane now has still not lost at the Nou Camp. It's a very... Very interesting statistic, and uh, I used to six actually, matches. Yep, and uh, Ayush correctly predicted the score three one. Was it Ayush? I think it was Ayush, wasn't it? Yeah, he he predicted three one to. Uh, oh, three one was mine. Oh, yours. Oh, that was yours. Yes, Gian, that was yours. Yeah, no, yeah, one yeah. one was uh, was Ayush's prediction for something else. Yes, no, <laughs> that was your prediction. So congratulations for getting the prediction right. I think that might be, <laughs> I think we had two predictions right this week. So uh, well, actually maybe three. I'll, I'll come. I'll, we'll come to that. But yes, for sure, it was. Uh, Interesting and definitely a good game to watch. But uh, Champions League coming up for them now. Borussia Mönchengladbach. They need to win that one because uh, they've got up to such a bad start uh, in the competition. Right. To win that one. So hopefully they'll take some confidence from this um, and come through. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, worth watching for that this Tuesday. All right, let's talk about uh, the Premier League. Let's move on to the Premier League now. And uh, we'll talk about West Ham against uh, Manchester City. The game that, uh, well, we all thought uh, it was going to go differently. And it didn't. Uh, one one draw. Ayush predicted that currently. That's what Ayush predicted. One one draw for his first first time. And uh, well, maybe we gotta get him on this show and have him predict wins for Chelsea and Manchester United, or at least Manchester United. Then maybe they will come true. Um, but uh, but he got it right. <laughs> I didn't expect it. it. It just so it it looks. So here's the thing. This was a good chance for City now because Liverpool uh, was struggling coming into this game, or at least that was a narrative that they were struggling. So you've got a chance now for City to really build a lead, build something, and take it forward. It just, I mean, I don't know what is the what is wrong with City. I don't, I mean, people say it's defense, but they considered a goal from an, you could say it was a bit of an error from Garcia or the defense, but it's just offensively also, like they just, it looks like something, I, if, I don't know if it's De Bruyne missing, I don't know if it's David Silva leaving, 
but there is something missing in, in that. And let's start with the defense, though. I mean, that first goal, would it happen if company or Laporte, Laporte I don't know if Laporte was playing, but if company was playing, that goal wouldn't happen, would it? I mean, it's just... It just feels like Michael Antonio had the you know freedom to do whatever he wants in, in, in that goal. Uh, and and I, Antonio is a good striker, but he shouldn't be allowed to be making those kind of shots, taking those kind of shots. Jian, sorry. No, I mean, uh, I think you actually identified the problem right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, we have a few may. technical yeah, issues. So I think you identified the problem right there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just talked about silver leaving and company not being there. So regardless of all these players that they're buying, leadership is something you can just buy. Mm-hmm. And I think what Man City lack right now is that cutting edge, that, that grit, that, that passion that, you know, company would bring or the motivation you'd see, get when you'd see David Silva. I don't know. I guess it's that organization because you see Man City with 60% possession, 70% possession. They're taking all these shots. They're making all of these passes. But that final third, that cutting edge, and even in in the defense, when they have that organization, it's just not there right now. It's just not there. There's no real leader driving the team forward. That somebody comes up when the team is down, I don't just see that anymore right now. You have players like Aguero and all of that, but they need to be spurred on. Yeah, and it's and it's tough, isn't it? But I mean, the one thing that uh, that we were talking that we're talking about when, when it comes to uh, leaders and, and and leadership, there are certain players there. Uh, it's just I I, I can't I, I I don't know whether it's motivation as well because you've got to, This is a chance for you to pull back Liverpool now. If you can't do it now with one Van Dyke out, you won't be able to do it. So you've got that motivation. So it can't be that motivation is an issue. It just feels like there is a. I mean, there's something holding them back or something's wrong. Maybe teams have figured out the tactics. I don't know. But let's talk about, before we talk about the offense, I want to talk about Mike, Michael Antonio because I think he's a player who doesn't get a lot of recognition. I think he's a very underrated player a little bit. I know there was talk about him going to going on going to England and playing for England, which obviously hasn't happened yet. I don't know if it will happen now. But he has... Uh, oh, sorry, Jian. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm having, so sorry. I, I don't know what's wrong with the connection. Yeah, we've been having you've been having some internet issues, but uh, yeah, it's a bit delay. But uh, as, is, can you hear me now? Now it seems completely perfect. There's, yeah, there's I hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, so Michael Antonio, like a really good, very underrated striker. Really, he's. I think he's one of the things that's keeping West Ham afloat at this point. Um, but uh, he, he's he's a good striker. He's he's a decent he's a decent player um, on his day. It's just injuries, right? I mean, that's the thing with players from West Ham and Leeds and all that. You, you see their results and all, but you just don't highlight the players. West Ham seems to have so much quality in their ranks. I mean, did you, the last five results or four results, 4-0 against Wolves, the 3-3 against Tottenham, the one all right now, the one we're talking about, uh, uh, right before that, they beat Leicester too, right? Yeah, 3-0 Leicester. Uh, right. I mean, that doesn't just come out of nowhere. And uh, a few years... Years ago, just a few years ago, we were mocking David Moyes for his quality, against his quality. And look at what he's doing right now with West Ham. I think West Ham are far above Man United right now. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, so, not, it's not a very high bar. all of those jump. players right now. And I don't know how far they go. Yeah, that's the thing with West Ham. They always look good at a time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we're... Com- we're... Yeah. No, they always look right, good right. for a time, West Ham. I always back West Ham to do well in, in, at the I start mean, of the season. I think that they're going to be a threat. And then all of a sudden something happens and they, they don't. So 
I don't know if this season is going to be different. We'll see. Um, but it, but it is an interesting point about David Moyes as well. Uh, one, but the one one thing uh, at, the, at the at the season preview, others, City fans, said that West Ham were going to get relegated this season, and uh, well, they beat uh, they they drew with Man City one one. So uh, it's a, an interesting. Uh, I don't know. Others just wants to change his uh, uh, prediction, but yeah, it's interesting. Interesting. Uh, just just a little bit of shout out there. Others <laughs> is watching the show. Just a little bit of a of a nudge for him. About uh, about about his prediction, uh, but let's talk about that about about City and they did score through Phil Foden. It was a wonderful goal, um, and Phil Foden looks like someone who's uh, he's starting to pick up steam now. We've been critical of Pep and how he's handled uh, Foden, but it looks like he's uh, he's starting to mature. He's starting to blossom. He's he's getting those opportunities now. But aside from that goal, I mean, we have to talk about Raheem Sterling. I, he, he seems like you know he's always he's one of those players who's on that cusp of that world. I wouldn't call him world class. I know some people want to call him world class. I don't know if he's world class. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. But or maybe he is world class. But you know, you get you get to a point at world class where you just need to take that one step forward, and then you can become like this legendary player, this really amazing player. And it just feels like composure. I don't know what is what you know. It's composure. He lacks that composure to convert those chances because I think he had two or th- two or three chances in this game. He just he just looked didn't take them. And uh, you, you just wonder if someone like Lewandowski would miss them or someone like Ronaldo would miss them. And they wouldn't. But he, yeah, but it just, I, mean, I don't know what's wrong, but I, and maybe it's lack of composure. But do you get that feeling when you watch Sterling as well? But <laughs> you almost expect him to miss chances. Uh, it's like you almost expect him not to score. And then, you know, he'll score one in five, maybe. I mean, for me, Sterling is basically an upgraded version of Theo Walcott. I mean, that's a uh, bit harsh. I, I, I don't say it's a bit harsh, but okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, not that bad. I mean, see this way. Uh, I I think that his trademark run. He starts in from that left, and mind you, he's very agile. He's very very agile. Mm-hmm. He can just suddenly make that turn that sometimes even Messi could congratulate, uh, and you wouldn't even know. He could turn two players at one time, but he cuts in. He gets past three or four or even five players. And then he shoots right at, at the goalkeeper. So composure, pressure. Because if it's if he doesn't have that composure, he doesn't get past those players. Maybe it's just a lack of finishing. It's just that lack of strikers' awareness, if you know what I mean. Or maybe it's just uh, the way I see it is Man City have a world-class striker. There's no doubt about that. We don't know. I don't know what Sterling, but Aguero is world-class. Mm-hmm. So, the way Pep Guardiola usually works is at least what I've seen before. Even with Barcelona, he always had that target man. Uh, he always wanted that goals to come from the strike force. So every time I've seen it, and mostly his midfields have been creative. Like you have the De Bruyne, Silva, Bernardo Silva, Sterling, everybody passing well. So probably Sterling is kind of used to this mantra of passing the ball to Aguero and then he finishes and he scores. But when Aguero is not there, he's lost. What do I do? Do I finish? Do I pass? And maybe... He gets caught at two minds, and that's 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 where he messes up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he scores lots of goals. He scored twenty plus goals. I think he scored thirty goals last season in all competitions. He definitely scored twenty plus. I'm not sure if he scored thirty, but he scored twenty plus goals. So he does score goals. He's got goals in him. It's just you know when those pressure moments, those big moments, um, you know, you wouldn't want Sterling to have the ball to score a goal. I mean, it's almost like that. Like if you see, he missed a chance against Leon as well. That big chance that he had against Leon, he missed it, but it was one one. They went on to lose that game. Uh, even yesterday, it just feels like you know if, if you're if you're nil nil and if you're looking for someone to score early in the game, Sterling he scored against Leeds, so it's not like he can't score goals. So he scored a goal, but if it's a pressure moment where you really want a goal and it's a game that you must win, 
you would i mean i don't know i'm i'm not a city fan so i don't know but as a as a rival fan i'm a little bit relaxed when sterling has the ball because i know that there's a 50% 60% chance that he's going to miss the shot now i've said it next week he's going to go and score a hat trick i know that's going to happen uh, i'm not going to jinx him but uh, that, but you just feel like with with sterling like it's Maybe almost like score a hat trick against your team yeah i i know i i, I know what i've done but it just feels with sterling it just feels like You know, with other strikers, you're like, oh, he's got the ball. Oh, it's going to be a goal, right? And 80% of the time, it's a goal. Uh, with Sterling, it's like 50%, 40% that you that it'll, that it'll be a goal. And that's kind of sad to see because I like English players doing well. But it just, I don't know. I don't know what something's missing from Sterling's game. And it's, he's 25, 26 now. So I don't know if he's going to get it. But uh, he, yeah, there's something that he needs to work on. I, I can't put my finger on it. Maybe he's too fast for his own goal. So sometimes he doesn't realize that. you know how fast he's going and before he knows that he's near goal and then he's got to take a shot and he can't make his mind up i don't know what the issue is but there is something there that's missing um and it's affecting city sadly uh, but uh, on that note jian uh, who was your man of the match for that game uh the, this is kind of embarrassing because i i actually don't know his name but uh it was the center back from west ham I, he was relentless upon uh yes Yes, yes. Uh, I when it, he might not have been the flashiest player, but I have to give this man of the match. Or I have to put the performance onto West Ham's defense, and the centre back pairing was just amazing. Yeah. It was just amazing. The midfield obviously did their job too, but against a team like City, you're not getting a draw if the defense is not top notch. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, definitely, the defense held out very much well, and I think it's a good point for West Ham and. Uh, I don't think they will challenge for Europe. I think that's a little bit ambitious, but a top half definitely seems achievable. But we don't know what's achievable definitely, at this point. Definitely. I mean, maybe seventeenth is a big achievement considering the way things are going. I don't know what's going to happen this season. Um, but definitely, West Ham seem at the moment is like they won't be one of the three worst teams in the league. I don't think they will be, um, and I think they should be fine at this base. But there's only six games, so we don't know yet. We're not even, uh, you know, we're only a sixth of the way of the season through. Uh, so right, let's talk about United Chelsea now. The big, the blockbuster clash of the weekend for the Premier League, and uh, I mean, it was a damn squib. <laughs> I think there's no words to describe it. I predicted a draw. Um, I don't know if anybody else predicted a draw, but I predicted a draw. I didn't predict zero zero, but I mean, I'll take that one. I'll take that we got one right. Um, so um, <laughs> you guys got one right. I should get one too. But yeah, a draw. And um, yeah, was, you know, there are exciting nil nil draws, and then there are boring nil nil draws. And I think this one was one of those boring nil nil draws. It, I mean, let's start with the lineups, and um, I don't know about, but let's talk about. Well, let's talk about. I mean, it almost felt like Lampard became Oli, and Oli became Lampard because normally you have Oli going with the back five, uh, you know, packing the midfield, and you know, hoping to hit on the break. Lampard plays his four-three-three, you know, attacking, tries to go attack. It almost felt like Lampard this time said, "You know what? He's he's caught me three times. I'm gonna play with the back five because I don't want to expose my defense." And Oli was like, "Well, we played a back four, and we got good results, so we'll go with the back four." It almost felt like a whole reversal to me. But were you surprised seeing Chelsea play a back five, back back three, back five, whatever you want to call it? Was it surprising to you? We didn't predict it in our show, but did you? Did you, were you or did you? I don't know if you. I think maybe you predicted that he might go with the back five. But were you surprised seeing that 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 uh, team lineup? No Mount, no Jorginho. Oh, definitely. I mean, the, the moment the lineups came in, like half an hour, or one hour before the match, I'm like, what? What what team is this? And then I guess then I guess it made me think that the main focus here was defense. Don't concede. Man U's attack is relentless. That they might not have been on form this season, but they, they can attack. They can attack. And Lampard just wanted to keep that out. Uh, the midfield too. Right after that, that obviously shocked me the most. 
the inclusion of Jorginho instead of Kovacic. But then again, that comes down to tactics. Uh, the other day, I guess we were discussing this. Uh, Lampard kind of has a problem with Kante. I guess that's a well-known fact right now. Kante has probably made his least number of appearances in a season in the last five years, in the last season. And it wasn't just down to injury. The problem with Lampard's, well, the problem with Kante in Lampard's tactics is that Lampard prefers a DM that's what you actually call a holding midfielder. Somebody that sticks. Somebody that stays in that defensive midfield position. Kante is more of a full-field midfielder, if you will say. Probably a box-to-box, if you will. He likes to run. So he covers more distance than almost any other player on the pitch. That's why Jorginho comes into the pitch. Uh, Jorginho is more of that holding player that can spray those long balls up forward. But even then, we were, play- we were kind of playing a counter-attacking pos- style. Yeah. Obviously with five defenders. So I guess in that situation, Kovacic might have been a better inclusion. The front three, well, that was expected. I think we discussed it, the, that desire would not be included. I don't know. I guess it's fitness. Maybe he does not integrate with the tactics well enough yet. But the five-man defense, as surprising as it was, it was necessary. Well, if you're going to play five, you have to drop one of uh, Ziyech, Havertz, Werner, or uh, Pulisic. So I guess Ziyech made sense. Yeah. If you're going to drop one of them, you're going to drop Ziyech because he hasn't yet played up to speed. So it makes sense. Um, I meant to say no Kovacic. I said no Georgina Verratti, no Kovacic. Um, but I mean, on the United side, and this is my opinion again, I thought he, uh, Oli, I think he played reactionary. Uh, he, his, his lineup was reactionary because he tried to as- assume what Lampard would do. So the inclusion of James was probably to protect the left-hand side because that's probably where he was expecting Mount, uh, Pulisic normally plays on the right. If Mount plays, then Pulisic plays on the right. So Mount plays on the left. So he figured that he'll have a little bit more protection on the le- on the re- on the le- on his left hand side. So he added James. He played Mata because of uh, probably wanting more creativity, and it makes sense. But I think he got it wrong. I think, um, and I mean there are there are lots of things to take away, but that I think he got it wrong, and um, it, it just, I mean, he should have changed it at halftime. I think uh, not playing Van. I mean, it's it's interesting though. Like we talk about United strength and depth. If you think about it, Pogba, Van de Beek, Cavani, Greenwood, neither of them started. It was not the result that you won, but neither of them started against Chelsea. It's just. It is a weird thing. I mean, I wouldn't say our team is that. I wouldn't say United team is that strong that it can afford to drop all four of them. But they did drop for all four of them for the Chelsea game. So um, it was weird. But I didn't expect him to start with the back four. Um, but I can kind of see. I can kind of see why he didn't play Tuanzibi because he was playing his first game after years. So he probably wants to protect him, and he might feel that he needs him for the Leipzig game, which will be important now, and then probably play again him against Arsenal as well. So that's four games in. In two weeks, you don't want to go that much. Um, I can see if, if Van der Beek starts against Leipzig, then I can kind of understand why he didn't play him today. Though, I mean, we've been saying this, I've been saying this for the last two weeks that I think he's preserving him for the next game, for the next game, but the next game comes and he doesn't play. So I'm starting to wonder if he doesn't play, if he doesn't start either the Leipzig or the Arsenal game, then I think there's some sort of issue there that, that we'll need to start thinking about uh, what's going on. Because if he does, he has to start at least one of the next two games, if not both, uh, for, for Van der Beek. But it just, I mean, with Ma- Ma- you know, playing Matic and McTominay again, I think he assumed that he that Lampard was going to go attacking because otherwise you don't need both of them. If you're going to go up against a five-two-three, you don't need Matic and McTominay. But I think he got, I, I think he was reactionary, and I think he got it wrong. I think we have to admit that he got it wrong. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about personnel, but let's talk about the penalty decision first. The the big one, um, Maguire on Aspi, uh, Aspilicueta, was that a penalty? As a Chelsea fan, was that a penalty? I won't talk as a Chelsea fan. I'll talk as a Manu fan because um, you're being a Manu fan. You obviously respect 
Patrice Evra. How many? I think he won five leagues with. Maybe not experts. They think they get it wrong sometimes. Hey, what do you think? Well, I'll tell you as a United fan. I'll tell you what I thought as a United fan. But I want to as a Chelsea fan. What did you think? No, I'll just quote what he said. Patrice Evra. He said that that was not a tackle. That was a chokehold. This is not WWE. This is football. And I'll just say that. <laughs> this is not WWE. That's football. I well, mean, if it's WWE, I remember it this incident. I think with the the Rashford incident. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it was WWE in that case, he he just slammed him to the ground. It, I probably call a slam something. I don't know. Oh. Uh, the Rashford incident. If you remember that uh, when Kante clipped his heels, I'm not saying Rashford dived. He obviously did it. There was contact. No, it was but I, It was Thiago Silva. Both of them were together. Silva. Yeah, check that. I don't know. It was. They said it was Silva who hit him, not Kante. Oh, sorry. It was Silva, Thiago Silva, who who made that uh, clip at the back. Both of them were together. Kante and Silva, both either side of Rashford. Oh, either way, either way. Uh, yeah. I'm sure the viewers see it anyway, understand like what we're talking about right now. Yeah. So, right. so uh, during that game, uh, Thiago Silva, Thiago Silva, Kante, whoever it was, basically the incident with Rashford. Uh, I'm sure the viewers know what we're talking about by now. Yeah. Uh, I think VR replayed that incident about six times, six to seven times, and that that's completely fine. That's what VR is there for, but but how is it that the referee was not told about that incident even once? I mean, Maguire Maguire had a decent game, by the way. I think that other than that, his only other mistake that day was he accidentally headed the ball out when he was trying to head the ball towards Shaw. But other than that, he had a great game. But he literally strangleholded Aspi. He threw Aspi to the ground, and he was not even told about it once. So. I don't know. That is definitely a penalty. I mean, not just ten, ten times out of ten times. Probably eleven times out of ten times. That has to be a penalty. Yeah. Uh, even as a neutral fan, you you got to admit. But uh, there's well, something I'm not that a I actually. I'm a neutral fan, a United fan, and I will tell you that it was a penalty. I think it was a stone cold penalty that I was like, "What the hell are you doing? Why are you doing that?" I was like, "This is gonna. They're gonna blow it for me, and they're gonna go check, and he's gonna give it." And then it didn't come, and I was like, "What is the? What is the ref? I don't know. They were smoking something at that point. He'd gone for smoke break, maybe the VRF had gone for smoke break. I don't know what was going on, but it's just like, okay, we're not gonna see it. And then they were showing the Rashford one, and you know, when you see like four or five checks, you're like, well, maybe he's gonna give it. He's gonna ask him to check it because they're looking at it so so many times. Um, but then of course he said no, there's nothing there, which is which is fair. I, I think um, I, I've I've seen those given, but it would have been harsh, and it, it shouldn't have been given. So it was fine. Uh, the other one. So I think I think. Um, I'll use that and say as a justification that it evened itself out. I'm obviously sure that uh, Chelsea fans will probably not agree that even if itself out, it didn't. Um, but it's just it's just weird. I mean, but that's the thing we talk about with English refs all the time. There's so much incompetence um, at the way that they handle these situations and the way that they do it that uh, it just it just makes a it makes a mock, it, it it doesn't suit the purpose that for what it was brought in. And we're keeping on talking about it. And we'll keep talking about it. And it's just uh, the implementation has not been good. Of it, but if it wasn't for that, we probably wouldn't be talking about anything else. Um, because, uh, quite frankly, I mean, when you look at the second half and you look at the substitutions, the one thing I noticed um, with Lampard was he, he changed players, but he didn't change the system. He still kept a five, a back five throughout the game. And I said this on social media. I said it looked like Lampard had basically come into this game saying, "Whatever happens, I'm not going to lose today. I'm, I'm, I'll take a win if it comes, but I'm not going to lose. So I'm not going to change that back." Back three, even though it was quite obvious that United were there for the taking, I think United were there for the taking. A little bit of ambition, a little bit of attacking intent. They could have got to that back four if they wanted to, but I mean, he just seemed like he did, he had no intention of even attempting uh, to to win to win the game, like to to try and win the game. Um, which 
I know that's what you saw, but that's kind of what I saw from Lampard. Was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try and win this game. I'm not gonna risk winning this, losing this game to win it. Um, if it comes, I'll take it. No, uh, that, that's something I wanted to get to because uh, yes, we were denied a stone cold penalty. Uh, kind of reminds me of 2009 against Barcelona, but um, no, that that was six penalties. This is just one. But uh, truth be told, uh, we were we actually had our backs against. Well, Manu clearly better to Chelsea. Manu had the better chances, and truth be told, if Mendy wasn't there, if it was Kepa, I think, I think it would have been five nil or four nil. I don't know. Uh, without the penalty, uh, Manu attacked a lot. It was, it, it was a. They had a lot of intent going forward, a lot of potential, a lot of pressing. Chelsea did. I don't know if you'll say luck out, but the goalkeeper did save us in this instant, and. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's better to draw the game rather than win via penalty in a game that we were clearly battered. But uh, one thing that must be said, though, uh, this game is kind. This does kind of bring a bit of hypocrisy amongst both fans. I mean, this would have been poetic justice if we did win the match with the penalty. I mean, if you think about it, and I just, I, I, I don't mean this biasly. I try to be as nice as possible when I say this. For years, we've seen Manu getting away with it with their goalkeeper. I mean, uh, against so many teams, we've seen what David De Gea had done. The game against Arsenal, the three-one win at Emirates, if you remember that. I mean, I think at one, there was this point where Sanchez or th- that our striker, he he was not only on goal. The post was open. He was just in front of the post, and David De Gea suddenly springs out of nowhere and saves it. Uh, and that was just epitomizing that match. I think he made 27 saves in that game. It was yeah, so not a some yeah. sort of Premier League record as far as I remember, or that season's record, something like that. Yeah. So man, you have done that for years and years, and they come up with a scrappy goal. If Chelsea actually did manage to do that, it might have been poetic justice. But um, so yeah. man, you fans actually can't complain much about that, and neither can Chelsea fans. I I actually think the nil-nil, the draw, kind of suits both the teams. Both fans and the teams. Yeah, I'm not sure if it suits. Well, I mean, I mean, it depends on perspective. Some people will be happy with the nil-nil draw against Chelsea. I think some people will be happy with that. But I, I in this fall, like if if it wasn't, I, I it was diff, it was in some ways from Solskjaer's point of view, it was guessing what Chelsea were going to do rather than doing what was best for him. And that's kind of sad to see. He shouldn't have done that. He should have probably gone with his best, with the best possible team that he could have put out. And that does not include James and Mata. Mata. Unfortunately, um, I think he got he got many of the personnel wrong, and um, it Chelsea were there for the taking. And I, I, I get it; we should be. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not uh, arrogant to say that they should have won the game, but I think a bit more ambition from either team. I think a bit more ambition, they probably would have won it. I think it was just a matter of who was willing to risk it to win it, and and it seemed like neither one of them wanted to win it. And Lampard clearly didn't want to take that risk, and and for for good reason. I think he tried doing that in the last few games, and United parked the bus and then got the win. So he probably felt, let's try it this way. Um, but but the one thing that I will say though, I think I think we might have seen the last of Luke Shaw as a first choice left back. I, I um, with Telles around, I, I just feel United have one of the best. Uh, I'm not saying the best, but they have one of the best defensive back fours. Um, you could take out you know if you take out Lindelof and Maguire, you put two on Zidane, but they've got one of the best defensive back fours in in the league, maybe even in Europe. It's a bold claim, but they probably have, but offensively that it that team doesn't do that defense doesn't do much offensively, and that's. You can't win uh, games and tournaments these days with having just a defensive back. For you need to have offensive capability. 
Nat Ford doesn't have it. So I think Luke Shaw will. Pro- I think Van Bissaka is safe only because there's no other right back in the team that can do. Maybe Williams might be able to get step up, but right now there's no there's no right back that can do it. But Shaw, I think with Teles coming in, I think he has to start the next game. It was a bit of a sad thing because Chelsea were there for the taking aerially, and we didn't have anyone who could put crosses in. So I I, I see Teles like he'll eventually. I think this might be the beginning of the end for Shaw as the first choice left back. He might still play in a back five, but. I can't see him being first choice left back as long as Telles does what he does. And I think he'll be first choice because it just, um, there's, there's issues there. Uh, but, uh, but it was an interesting game and it was interesting that we, well, we saw Cavani's debut. That would have been something. Cavani scoring, almost scoring with his first touch for Manchester United. The first touch that he gets, he puts it towards goal and it goes off target. Um, that would have been something, uh, some way to introduce yourself to the, to the crowd. But uh, there's not a lot of talking points. I think it's just, uh, it is sad though, because now Chelsea United, if they had won, one of them had won this game, they could have legitimately in, been in with the title shout. Um, but I think the draw now, it probably means that, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in the title race, but yeah, I mean, it would have been a long shot, but it would have been interesting if one of them had won it. But uh, it's a draw. I guess it suits Chelsea. I think it's it's two points. I think both teams will look at it as two points drop. But I think if you have to say that one person gained it, that's probably Chelsea. Uh, but Gian, who's your man of the match from that game? Oh, without a doubt, Eduardo Mendy. <laughs> like I said, if he wasn't there, we would have lost five nil or four yeah, nil. And a couple of uh, big saves. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think it was one of those games where there was no standout performances, but the one standout performance you kind of acknowledge that. I think Chelsea uh, for Mendy. I think I think I, I thought Kante had a pretty good game as well. He did a lot of uh, snuffing out and was everywhere. Um, but uh, some of his passes are misplaced. But I thought he did a lot of good work um, in that midfield, just nullifying attacks and making sure having the players whenever he could. I think he did a good job in Bruno. I, I didn't see a lot from Bruno in this game, so uh, definitely there. But yeah, Mendy. I think you kind of can, cannot argue with that. I think Mendy was the best player. On, on that field uh, in, a, in, a, in a sea of unremarkable performances. Uh, he was good. Uh, let's talk about Liverpool against Sheffield. And um, we're going to talk about VAR again uh, with that penalty decision. Uh, Liverpool, there might be a conspiracy. I don't think there is a conspiracy, but there might be a conspiracy right now. But it looks like, well, I, the conspiracy is that I think the Premier League is trying to do everything it can to make this an exciting title race. I don't think they care who wins, but they just want to make it an exciting title race. So they're doing everything that they can because the other teams are clearly not doing anything. Uh, like we just whatever let Liverpool win we don't care at this point um, but uh, was it a penalty was, was it a penalty was it not a penalty uh, the Sheffield one yes the Sheffield one well it was definitely a foul okay uh, I think we can agree on that right mm-hmm. well a lot of people yeah, do, will not agree on that now the thing yeah. is uh, I saw the rule book okay Oh, well, for those that don't agree with the foul thing, well, that, that's up to debate. But um, the problem was uh, both feet did get involved. And according to the rule books, if the foul is just to be on the line or inside of it, yeah, and the foul was just to be on the line, then it's a penalty. So that's what the referee basically was taking his time on deciding. If mm-hmm. the foul was on the line or outside of the line. Yeah. And since it was on exactly on the line, and I think the replays did a good job of showing that it was actually on the line, it has to be a penalty. In that case, yes, it's harsh. It's, it's really sad. But rules are rules. And by rules, yes, it is a penalty. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen this a long time. I think the, the laws are a bit of an issue because how they're written and how they're interpreted makes a big difference because it's not always common sense. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you've got to follow the rules and, and maybe the rules need to change as well some, in some cases. But 
as long as the rules are the rules, they have to follow them. Uh, and, well, whether it's a foul or not is subjective. At the end of the day, any team will always say there's always going to be those subjective decisions. Is it a foul? Is it not a foul? Uh, some people will say that making them, you know, that a little bit of contact should be allowed and, uh, you know, people make the most of it and all of that. But I mean, you know, it's, it's all sorts of things, it's all sorts of gray areas. Uh, but with, with Liverpool, I think even with that penalty, though, the one thing that we can uh, see now is that they still have that mentality, being able to, uh, being able to, to, to fight back in these situations. And we called yeah. it, you called it, I think you said that Firmino might play in midfield. Uh, you know, as a number 10, that he might yeah. change. And he did that. He played Firmino in midfield, which, and he scored the goal in this game. So it kind of, I think it kind of worked in some ways, it worked for him. Uh, but is this something that they will use uh, for the time being? And they don't have a lot of options in central midfield anyway at this point. So it's something that they will probably uh, go forward using that a little bit more. So Firmino in midfield and then playing a, a 4 2 3 1 sort of formation. Yeah, before I get to this, I actually kind of wanted to add to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the penalty thing, by rules, that's, I, I mean, you have to do that. The, you have to do that. You have to give that penalty. But the, the goal that was ruled offside, I, the, this exact same thing happened against Everton. The exact same thing. I mean, I think this one was at least a little bit clearer. But the Mane offside against Everton, that was absolutely nothing. I, there has I, to be a bit of allowance. One think, inch, yeah. two inch. There has to be some allowance. I mean, the they basically showed the offside using a red and the blue line on VAR, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't differentiate between red and blue. That's, it was so hard. You had to zoom into the screen yeah. and see, all right, so there's that's, red and there's blue. Yeah, it's, that's why what I said, you know, this, my suggestion was when it comes to VAR, what you do is you look at it through your eye. What, what we're looking at VAR is on lines. It's just a referee has a camera angle and you look to that camera angle basically as you're looking, as you're an audience watching. Right. And if to you as a naked eye, if you can see that there is an offside, which is quite clear, if you see a leg that is dangling out or you see, you know, head is dangling out or whatever, you give it as an offside. If you cannot make out, you know, through a naked eye that's offside, you don't give it an offside. Because if I as a fan cannot see a difference, why would I be complaining? Right. Or why would I expect, you know, a, a technology to get it right? That's basically what my interpretation is. I know that the rule currently is that you have to look at all these lines. But for me, as a common sense implementation, it would be the referee just looks at it through his camera, whatever he's seeing it. And if he sees that it's offside to him without the use of lines, you give it as an offside. If you cannot make it out, you just leave it and say, you know what, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to the attacker and, and let's move on. Um, I know that they have now introduced a Pandora's box of lines. So if we do decide to go down the common sense route, some people will be like, oh, you know, they should have these lines and they should keep those lines. You know, those lines were there, it would be offside. So it's offside, you know. But there's always going to be debate. And I, I mean, that for me, there, there needs to be a more common sense interpretation of these rules, which are not happening at this point. They need to change. Uh, but you cannot really complain about offsides and uh, uh, about offsides and, and things like being on the line because those are the rules um, and they're following them. So you can't really you can't really do much about it, but it needs to change. It, it need, there needs to be some sort of uh, interpretation that needs to change there. Um, but I understand your point. I, I take it, you know, why would you, you know, I mean, I, I'm, all, I'm always happy if Liverpool draw or lose games, but, uh, you know, at some point it gets silly, right? You're like, oh my God, it's like a, you know, it's a, it's a hand that is offside or it's a, it's a, it's a toenail that's offside. It just, it gets a bit ridiculous after a while. Um, but, but I get your point. But yes, uh, talking about the team, though, we'll talk about the, we'll not talk, we'll try not to talk too much about BEA, we'll talk about the team itself. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, in midfield, it looks, uh, it is. Uh, it, it is. It looks like some a strategy that he has in his back pocket, and probably will use it a little bit more now. I mean, the good thing for them, Liverpool, is they don't have to play their best team against against Medjil and the Champions League. They can probably rest players for this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it looks like something that they probably they have, they they have that option to use, and they probably will want to use it. I mean that that that's the advantage you get with players like Salah and Firmino. Uh, 
I mean, Firmino is not even a striker originally. He is a midfielder, and Firmino looked so comfortable in that role. I mean, usually when you see a striker falling back, unless you're Lionel Messi, it takes some time to adjust. But Firmino just seamlessly got into it. I honestly do see Firmino playing in that role more. Uh, that attacking four was brilliant, uh, set up pretty well, linked up pretty well. And Firmino is actually the best. He plays his best football when he has that creative role, that support role. So easily, I do see him almost permanently settling back here. And Salah does look like more of a striker. I mean, Salah has always been a bit, well, let's say a le- little less unselfish than Mane. More selfish than most of his teammates too. So he does have that striker's instinct. And yeah, I, I can easily see this going forward. Yeah, we talked about the- Mane. Um, is Mane the best player in the Premier League right now? Like, I, I think he is. I think we, every game that Liverpool win, we talk about him. We talk about you know the games that he doesn't play. We talk about the games that he doesn't play. Like, he, he the, I, I just feel like right now, I think he is the best player in the Premier League. I don't know what you think. What, do you think he's the best player in the Premier League right now? No, he's definitely underrated. I, I have to say that. I mean, uh, other than extreme football fans, I don't really hear his name much. Mm-hmm. Mane is really underrated. He's an amazing football player. Amazing work rate, amazing determination. I mean, usually players with his level of skill, you don't see that work rate. Uh, they tend to slack off at times. But Mane, he when he's pressing, he presses like a defender. When he's running, he runs probably faster than the fastest players there are. I have to give it to him. But it's really personal preference. Just when it comes to uh, footballing ability, if you will, I'd have to give that best player role to De Bruyne. He's the best player, but I said right now, at this moment in time, if you look at the season from the first game to now, um, De Bruyne hasn't played a lot. He's been injured. Um, so we haven't seen the best of him yet this season. But I feel right yeah, now in this moment, yeah, I would yeah. say Mane is right now better. And maybe at the end of the season, we'll say De Bruyne is still the best player in the Premier League. You know, that doesn't change. <laughs> um, but I think right now, at this moment, for this season, for the six games I've seen, I think Mane has been, he's been on a different level. I think he's just, he's got... You know, and De Bruyne has these uh, things that I I don't know. Like he has this uh, magical ability that I say that he can produce a cross out of nowhere. Um, I don't know if he was a priest in a previous life. I don't know what he was, but he can produce a cross out of nowhere. Uh, um, you know, that's, that's his ability. But uh, yeah, but uh, you know, there's something. Yeah, but Mane is 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 a, is a, is on a on a, diff, on a on a higher on a he's on a new level. He's on a on a higher level than he was before. I think he's just performing well, but. You know, I mean, these are debates. I mean, the the thing, the sad thing is that we're talking about Liverpool and City players. So, you know, maybe maybe other players will step up and be in the conversation. Uh, but on that note, and uh, looks like they're getting some consistency. I think Alisson coming back, uh, or for all the defensive issues that Liverpool have, Alisson coming back for me is a bigger, bigger thing than having Van Dijk because I think Alisson really makes that whole defense click in some ways because he's the player who actually makes Kenalda Alisson to play from the back. He settles that defense, and his his goalkeeping is very very good. And I think him having him back now, even with Van Dijk out, I can't. I mean, I feel like they're going to just walk the league now, just because of the inconsistency in the teams. And uh, you know, we've just seen the Everton Southampton game. By the way, this so this is being recorded before the Arsenal Leicester game. So if it, I mean, for whatever reason, if we release it after, just know we're not we're not doing the Arsenal Leicester game. But we watched the Everton Southampton game, and Everton have lost. Um, you know, so they've they've now they're now they're still top of the league, but they're level on points in Liverpool. It looks like Liverpool are getting a bit of consistency now going in their game, and uh, I feel like just because of the other teams being so inconsistent, I think they're going to walk the league. Uh, but what do you think, Gian? I mean, I I just can't see where the challenge is going to come to come for them from. 
I mean, I actually can't disagree with you much. City does not look like the team they were two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, or just a year and a half ago. And the rest of the big five or big six or whatever you call it, Everton. Well, let, let's be honest. How long did we expect them to be doing what they were doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the fact that we're talking about Everton uh, and Spurs Everton and Arsenal being challengers that yeah. just tells you that's something. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, so, not disrespectful these teams. I think they're they're much better. I think on paper these three teams are much better than Manchester United. I'll say, I mean, I'm a fan. I'll say they're better than Manchester United. But you don't really expect these teams to uh, to have a sustained title challenge because they don't have that experience of having those title challenges. Um, you know, you expect, so you see Chelsea, you see Manchester City, you think, okay, you know, they, these teams can build a title challenge. You don't expect these other three teams. So if you're, if you, these three are the closest challenges to Liverpool, then you kind of know, then you know the answer already. If, if, that, is the, if that is the answer, then what is the question? And you kind of know, you know, where that's going. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I can't see any, any challenges for Liverpool at this point. I, I don't know if you, maybe the only biggest challenge will be VAR and injuries. But it doesn't look like... I mean, those are the only two things that can stop Liverpool. But even if those two things somehow manage to stop Liverpool, it's not like the other teams are putting runs together to, to challenge them. It's just consistency and that's not coming. No, I'm tipping Liverpool to defend the Premier League title. Yeah. Uh, Manu's mm-hmm. record is finally going to be... Equal. Reached. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea is going to need another year to at least settle this team in. Mm. City, I don't know. Uh, the leadership might be too big of a problem. I don't know what Pep Guardiola does with all that money. He keeps buying players after players. He honestly has no excuse to not win the league. He, he actually has no excuse not to win the Champions League, let alone the league. But I don't see him doing either of that right now. Uh, Manu, with well, with due respect, you they know, need to get into the first half. Of- there is no respect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, like I'm. You know, the thing is, and the sad thing is, if if they had had a good transfer window, if United had a good transfer window, they would have a yeah. team that would run Liverpool close. I'm not saying they would have won the title, but they would have run Liverpool close because really, if you get a good centre-half, if you get a proper right winger, because that's what was missing against Chelsea, a proper right winger and Mata doesn't start that game. So then you got a good right winger. Uh, you know, you've got a midfielder, so that's fine. So if you get those parts, you've then got a decent team that can go in and challenge uh, Liverpool and run them close, but they've not done it. So he's got to rely on other players. And, and that's not to say Ole is not to blame. I think he has to take some of the blame, at least for the Chelsea game. I think he got a few things wrong. But... I mean, it's just, you know, there's, they bust it. And I think that you, you've got to, it's almost like Liverpool. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, United won a few titles in the 2000s by default, where, you know, they were the only team that showed up. So they kind of like, okay, you know, we'll win it. Um, so it's not a bad thing. These kind of things happen uh, from time to time you have. And, and that's hallmark of great teams is that you win titles by default as well. So Liverpool, I think, will win this title by default just because they're going to be the only team that, you know, puts together a good run and nobody else is really going to get close, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's, just part, it's just part of life. It's just part of football sometimes. Um, but it's sad to see. It is sad to see in terms of the competition. But, uh, well, uh, on that note, Everton, yes, they did lose 2 0 to Southampton. They had James Rodriguez. They didn't have Richard Lisson in the side. And uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin finally didn't score a goal in a game. Uh, it's the first one. I think it's the first time that he's not scored a goal. I think, yeah, for this season, that's yeah. the first time he's not scored. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's difficult to see what's going to happen with them. Maybe, maybe, maybe now we're going to start to see a few settling. Aston Villa lost as well. So we're now maybe we're starting to see a settling down of the league. Um, and there might be a little bit more even, uh, you know, we've had a few crazy uh, first few weeks, but I think teams are now starting to catch up to fitness. Uh, so it's starting to now like sort of settle down. You're going to start seeing teams uh, a bit more bunched closely together. Maybe that's the hope, but uh, we shall see what happens. Uh, it's interesting. The Spurs, uh, if they beat Burnley, I think they will be, then you, you, you have to start talking about them as challengers. 
for the title, maybe. You know, I, I mean, Spurs have got every right to be confident. They've got a very good front three. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt about it. It's just a matter of sorting that defense out and making sure that HBK. They, yeah, HBK. That's right. They've got HBK. Well, hope, but, uh, yeah. Well, either if it's Bale or Bergwijn, it's still HBK. I just realized that it's still HBK because even if it's Bale or Bergwijn, it doesn't matter unless you put Lucas Moura and then you got another <laughs> name. But otherwise, it's HBK. Uh, so they got a good front three. I think it's just a matter of getting the concentration in. But I think Burnley, you would hope that they'll beat Burnley. <laughs> and Burnley is struggling. Um, but we shall see what happens there. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Jihan, today. Uh, before we go, though, man of the match for the Liverpool-Sheffield game. What do you think was the man of the match? Money. Money, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's obvious. Yeah, we talked it, about has to, it has to be money. Let's give it to money. Yeah, why not? It doesn't matter. We <laughs> the match of Liverpool, I say. I was just... Chugging along. No, uh, oh, before we leave, uh, there was actually something I wanted to contribute to your uh, title challengers thing. Uh-huh. Uh, we did talk about Everton and Tottenham, but see, uh, there's something that I wanted to mention, and it's something I've been thinking about these days. Most of the big teams have young managers nowadays. I mean, all of them are club legends. You went with Pirlo, Chelsea with Lambert, Manu with OGS, uh, Madrid with Zidane. Uh, the list goes on and on. Ronald Koeman was a Barca legend himself too, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you see, but you you have to say, give it to them. Uh, managers like An- Ancelotti and Wen- Mourinho, they do obviously have something that these managers don't. They know how they have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C because they failed and they want so much that they have something that the these new managers don't have, and that's called experience. So, if we talk about a winning mentality, I'm not going to say Tottenham is a title challenger, but I don't know. I mean, he's done this. He was won the Champions League with Porto. So, who knows? I don't know how far Tottenham go. So, yeah, basically, as I was saying, uh, these new managers, they don't have the experience that the old ones do. Mourinho and Ancelotti have won so much and they failed so many times that they know how to get through each and every situation. Yeah. Mourinho has won the Champions League with Porto. I mean, Porto. Uh, today, we might be thinking that, oh my God, they must have been such a big team back then. No, they weren't. In fact, that was a generation where we had the El- sorry, the Galacticos, the Barcelonas with the Theorem and the Xavi. We had mm-hmm. Manu that was just, uh, I think the team of 99, most of them were still there. Chelsea was just newly making their team and Porto beat all of them for that. We have so, I don't know. I'm not saying Tottenham is a jet. Uh, sorry, we have an intruder who just who just joined in. We just got an intruder, if you can see. I don't know. Uh, just yeah, we're almost. Well, we're always finishing up, and uh, you join in. Well, no worries. Um, <laughs> the worst part is I I should have just let it go there. If it was the last bit. Oh, no, it's all right. I, really, I really don't have a face here because nothing worked out. So yeah. Yes, nothing happened this weekend. Well, that's why I was like, yeah, well, maybe Kanaya doesn't want to talk because he's it's been such a horrendous weekend for him overall. It, so, like, just I was I I was I was I had second half and they started. I was like, I can't come on the reaction. <laughs> Something bad. <laughs> I, I I can't and then and then it rained so hard that my internet just went off and then I was like yes yes divine that's divine intervention and I was I was like let me just let me just hope that the United game kind of comes up to something I'm like what how is that Mendy guy even saving these shots look at him out of that goal <laughs> like what that was, that was a very imagine bad imagine if we got the penalty imagine if we got the penalty. I was like, thank God Bruno didn't get the penalty at least. <laughs> Heartbreak. 
Wow, that's a, that a tough one. Uh, but well, we're at the end here, but uh, maybe uh, you, can, you can walk us through. We'll just ask you a few questions. We already discussed most of the stuff. Uh, Gian, if you're okay for another 10 minutes, we'll just talk about uh, a few things and we'll ask your reaction. Yeah, for yeah. Uh, but did, I mean, just talk through uh, as a Barcelona fan, what you thought about El Clasico as a game? What, what, what? I, was, I was really, see, I, I always knew that Barca starts very shakily. The first, always, like their first 10 minutes is like, they have no clue where the ball is or they have no idea. It's like they just woke up from sleep and they just went into the game. The 10 minutes are always like that. So when, when, when you know, uh, I think, um, no, not Vinicius. Who, uh, Valverde. Valverde yeah. scored the goal. I was like, this is okay. I'm fine with that. Because after that, they woke up. And I, and I knew that <clears throat> because Nacho was playing really aggressively. His tackles were very hard. He was not giving any space, like to Jordi Alba as well. And even he was pushing Ansu Fati really bad. Like he was really kicking, kicking him hard and all that. So he was really aggressive. But then I knew that that was their weak link. When they played Nacho there, he don't, he doesn't have, he doesn't have pace. So that was their weak link, and they they went hard on him because if you see the goal as well, you know uh, Alba went beyond, and Ansu Fati came cut in uh, to the middle. And Messi uh, went on the wing. If you, if you, yeah. was, that was really well worked. That they knew that you know Nacho is going to be the weakling, and that's how they went about it. But then after that, they did not. They they couldn't. They couldn't push on that left. I I was like, what happened? I'm like, they, they were trying so hard on that left because the whole game was coming move, moving towards Ansu only. They were only passing it to him. They were hoping that he will create something. When he even switched to the right side, they were all they were hoping because Messi, you know, Messi. I think Messi in that game was not lost. That's how he seemed in the second half in the last 10 minutes. It's, when just, it's funny how every time they take pan to him and when he's losing or when he's losing the game and his face just looks like, this is my last game for Barcelona. I have to leave. Like it almost, <laughs> they look at his face is like, I, I, I can't do it right now because I'm smiling, but it just has that face, you know, like when you watch a sad movie where a man has just lost everything, a woman has just lost everything and she has that blank look and then, it's just like it's, it's like this. Like Messi, sometimes like, after after this course, the Messi was like this. That's yeah. That's his. That's his look when things are not good. But when Barcelona losing, it's just like he's like about to like you know cry or whatever. And then and he, I'm and like he, I, you know, I, the next the, 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 in his mind is like I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Yeah, he's like he's like why am I on the pitch? Why am I on the pitch right now? Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, it's, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And and then yeah, and like then said, they've tried that like back. toxic relationship. He just can't get out of it. <laughs> And the cutback, like Messi is known for his cutback now. Though everybody knows he's going to cut back. Like everybody yeah, yeah. in the whole world knows Messi is famous for that. You know, one without touching the ball, just on the through with his left, kind of slotting it in. Everybody knows now. They will not let him an inch. Like you saw the shots, five shots he made the same way. All the five shots were blocked. Like single, and Ramos was like a wall. Ramos was like, bring it on. Was like, that I'll show you. I'll show you how, how you... Was that a penalty? No, that was not a penalty. No, no, no. I... Oh, okay. No, no, well, no. no I don't I... think. Well, think. Ah. I... No, it, I don't. That's a penalty. I don't idea. think that was a penalty. I think at that moment... I, I think at that moment, it was... It, it just felt... It, it would have been too harsh then. I, in my view. Because the game was progressing well. The, the, the game was progressing. Like, if you see the whole game, at that moment, it was progressing well. It was just that... If that would have happened, it would have been really physical then. Then it would have been really dirty. That's how I... Wait, wait, I'm talking about the penalty that Madrid got. Which one are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, 
yeah i'm saying i'm saying that that was a penalty because you know the idea the idea being at that time at that time it, the game had been really balanced mhm see var and all these checks you know eventually they do come to a point where you are like okay maybe maybe not but then you know it's it's a decision i think var yeah. and woman yeah. going about it in the press interview saying that is var only bad for barca and nothing is happening for other teams i was like that this ranting now i'm like and you know you lost you lost you know neto was your best player on the field from the second half uh, and, you know and you should be proud that you have somebody and neto otherwise it would have been 5-1 so <laughs> i i so that 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 game was basically in the second half i just felt they were completely lost they uh, and the changes that he was trying to make you know he he was pushing but then you know yeah. dembele dembele doesn't pick up the problem with dembele is like when you bring him on a sub if the team is not at a level he can't perform he doesn't he is not a player who picks up a team and then kind of who picks up from the point he has got in and then starts creating something he's always been a player where you know the team is rather kind of he's playing from the start and he's he's finding his way you have to give him some time to kind of understand you know where does he cut in because he lost the ball every time he touched when he came on as well and i was like that's not what dembele is gone for he he should be he, there should be something more coming from him and yeah and last and let's peak i was like peak where is pk like is pk a forward or a defender maybe he thought he can be the ramos to uh, you know he can be oh and we got then we lost two hands again so yeah he's been having issues but yeah maybe he thought he could be ramos and also get uh, you know a shot away or something the, 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 the problem was the, like the the goal the modric goal the modric goal was so interesting <laughs> I could not see PK anywhere. I was like, "Where is he?" And the two shots that Neto saved before that, I was like, "Where is PK? Why is Neto saving all these? Like, where is the defense line to clear it? Like, is he playing alone?" I'm, I'm, that, that was shambles. That, that was that was really that was really shambles. Maybe, yeah, we, we thought about that. Maybe they lost their heads or something. That yeah, you know, when you go down. Yeah, it it was basically like you know, I think I think something some it just tricked. Triggered, triggered something really bad in them. I don't know what actually caused that reaction, but then it it was not that good. I I and you don't see that from Barca. You know, I I I felt Barca is very good at kind of holding the game. They would they when they were two one down, in my view, they should have just held on, mm-hmm. held on the game. They should they 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 should have simply took off taken off Messi and said that we'll put. a cdm will put a defender will want to defend just just don't concede one more because 3-1 looks worse than 2-1 well i mean but you are obligated as a manager to go you know, when you're 2-1 down you have to fight for 2-2 you can't just say no, but, he, but, but, did, but the problem is uh, let me ask you a question like did you see any spark from barca in that second half i i i couldn't i was like looking for somebody who could provide something i couldn't find anybody uh, I really feel like you're talking like a fan here. I mean, Barca honestly were the better offensive team. I, I, even being a yeah. Madrid fan, I have to say this: uh, Barca were better offensively. Madrid were very good defensively. Uh, the defense was on, like you said, Ramos was a wall. He was a rock. But Barca did seem to threaten more than Madrid did. I feel at least I until the that. last ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, at least until then. Yes, Barca's defense. Oh my God! I, I don't think I've seen anything. as bad but um, but you miss yeah. you madam is that 6-1 game spurs against united i can tell you that that's that's if you want to see something bad then you see that that one 
Um, but oh, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it's you might have missed the eight two game. Uh. Well, no, I watched that one. Oh, no, I watched the eight two game. See, I watched game. the eight two game, and I was like, I will still watch this game. <laughs> and <laughs> so, scored ten. Oh, I watched maybe. the eight two game. I, I think that one was that. Well, I don't know. I don't. Well, you can take your pick of which one is worse. I don't know. I think the six one game for me. I mean, maybe because I've seen the six one game as a fan, and I wasn't a fan for the eight two one, so that was like comedy. <laughs> it's just tragedy, you know. I didn't watch, and it was a tragic comedy because you know what's coming, and you still watch it. Like you can't take your eyes off of it. Uh, but the worst part is, at least the eight two game, I didn't have to do anything for the six one. I had to do a reaction after that, so you can imagine what my or what <laughs> mine was. The only saving grace is that Liverpool played after that, so you're all a bit okay. Well, now you can be a bit happy about it because Liverpool lost seven. True story. So, true story. I I am a United fan. My brother uh, is a Liverpool fan. So my father was watching the game with my brother at home. Uh, you know, uh, at our parental home. So he, so my father is messaging me. Like my brother deliberately made my father watch the Man United Man United game. So the the scoreline is six one, and my father calls me and he's like, "What is happening? Like, why are they playing like this?" I'm like, "Why did he make you watch that game? Why?" Because he, why did he make? Why did he, my brother make you watch? And I was like, it's fine. We'll wait for the Liverpool game. And when they start scoring, and I just messaged my father. I'm like, did you watch that game? So, you know, he, I messaged him in the morning. He's like, no, no. What was the score? And I was like, seven two. And he was like, <laughs> so that was like amazing. I was I was so happy. And then he was like, he was bantering my brother. I was like, oh, you both worse. <laughs> well, no I mean, point. we are getting a bit off track here, but uh, I know we're 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 bit over time. I know the fans probably, and then if there are any people watching this video, I think about this point they're probably all like, yeah, this is this is going into territory. We don't need to watch this, so we're gonna cut off. Uh, but uh, Kenny, I think I'll just ask you. We're not gonna go into dual Manchester, but what were your thoughts on the Chelsea United game? Um, I think it was it was it was it was um, uh, it was a drag in my view. I think Neto. I think not Neto. I think the the only player was Mendy. uh you know united did what they wanted to do they played aggressively they were very aggressive in the start they were that's how they because they wanted to put back uh, put chelsea a little back on themselves because if they had let you know space to havertz and all just to give them some time on the ball uh, it, it would have been really and the and the, and the lineup just showed that like fred and mctominay proved in the psg game that you know you we can stop world class players Yeah. What I was really happy was seeing the Mata uh, Bruno link. I was like, wow, where is where is this coming from? Like where have you been? Yeah. That, that... I have, yeah, I wasn't sure if Masati Mata was the right decision. I don't think Mata James both of them should not have started. Um Yeah, I I think on the James part I agree with you. I I didn't like because James is is you know, he doesn't provide the same prowess that uh, Greenwood does. I don't know if the if if he has kind of felt a way that you know you know uh, greenwood is better than me and he's just kind of lacks that confidence i don't know what has happened because he he's a really good player he's a really you know direct player he runs at you he will come straight at you and he'll just cut through and you know give a pass or shoot out but greenwood has been on con- has really a, on a different confidence level i would say starting i think because we had two james on the left like james uh, they had reese and you know uh, uh, we had uh, our own Uh, James, yes. the, the 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 matchup didn't uh, play for me. I didn't understand why. But then, yeah, I think that match was a drag. Uh, eventually, both were very strong defensively. Uh, you know, Mendy was doing really well, um, and I think 
it would have been better if you no know, a 1-0 one 1-0 one would you know any which way would have been seemed very harsh like the other team would have said that we would we, we were demanding to win it was our game and we just lost three points because of this and, but then that didn't happen yeah. so i think it was a it it when but when i say drag in a good sense that it shows that there are there are tactical uh, benefits to both teams both teams can play tactically both teams can implement plans and then actually can cross each other like I, that that was really interesting to see i really like that and and pulisic you know how fred and uh, uh, mctominay were trying to kind of they were trying to assert themselves and how it's still finding that one space and you know that through ball that he you know put to uh, werner in the first half i was like that was brilliant because they were not giving him any space they were closing the defense was kind of keep picking up they were they were also sometimes playing a high line they're still going back just not to allow space in the mid and then just compacting the game in, in but that was you know I, and uh, the only chance that i felt where i think ole also uh, went to um, uh, ole wanted something else from rashford was when he made that shot that was the one point that was the one through ball and the one mistake that chelsea did and that was like a ricochet and then he just came back to bruno and he passed it to mata and then mata had a through ball to uh, rashford he could have just dink you know uh, chipped it over there was too much space he you know he went for the uh, uh, for the post I think, but then Mendy was amazing. That sort of shot that he did against really good. Like that. Um, but anyway, uh, Jian, uh, sorry, to, we, you saw lost connection there, and we were kind of wrapping up. But uh, we were talking about uh, about Liverpool and title challenges. So we, we think Liverpool are going to walk the league. I think that's that's pretty much a given. But you were talking about uh, Ancelotti and Mourinho, um, and how uh, you know experience counts for that. probably not the best time to talk about it after what happened between Everton and Southampton but i get i i get your general point uh it's yeah i mean you know uh kanaya do you think that there's i mean we're talking about challenges we're talking about Everton and Spurs and Arsenal and that basically you know that tells everyone like what what's going to happen is that Liverpool are going to win the league because you won't expect these guys to challenge uh but do you do you have an alternating view about about what's going to happen this season like in terms of just consistency this this no team finding i think i think this has been really weird the season is really weird like you have a team who's winning all games and like right aston villa i was like okay let's talk about even i was thinking aston villa i'm like what happened there who who would have, and they they've been undefeated and then suddenly you're like oh oh anything can happen and then and that's the same thing with the uh, with what happened with everton so this league currently is you know i i don't really know what what's happening and i really don't that's a psychiatric part of it but i think this is really showing the character like where you don't have fans a you don't have fans the games are coming thick and fast you are your weaknesses are kind of getting blown out of proportion you have to have a fourth you have to have a mental it's it's a, it's much more psychological now you have to kind of find your own resolve and be like we have done liverpool are best place to do it because the motivation is they've just won the premier league title and they will not want to be one time winners and this is the best occasion to kind of be like we won back to back yeah they have the best motivation in, in when i say psychologically they have the best motivation but we have seen pep like pep was struggling Pep, Pep was struggling in that game, but but Pep has this I don't know evil genius plans or something. He's he's like Mojo Jojo or something like where it kind of comes up with something and finds uh, the motivation. So I, I I really see this 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 um, Liverpool is uh, is I think should win the title, but in my view as an alternative, I would say it could be Arsenal. 
because we have seen arteta uh, you know a very a very astute he knows the plan he plays it very simple he goes with the game plan he sticks to it no matter what he is and he is drilling that into his team you know you see his team they're young they're to be nurtured and i think that's that's where i see also that that could be a surprise i i really think arsenal could actually also uh, be title contenders yeah well maybe that'll happen i'm just going to quickly check the score cuz as i mentioned we're doing this while the uh, arsenal leicester game we started before i think it start the game has started now um oh no that's later yeah it's wolves newcastle well, right? arsenal leicester wolves newcastle is playing now yeah. arsenal leicester so, is later it might may or may not come out before then we will see um but uh, yeah on that note i think we've got the final comments there uh, i think uh, it's it's going to be an interesting season i i i think you guys are being too generous i think liverpool are going to watch that's just my feeling and and you know it's not hyperbole i think it's just the way it's just the way that i'm seeing it it develop but uh, well thank you so much jian for joining in and this went a bit longer than we thought it would uh, but uh, thank you for for uh, joining sharing your views thank you kanaya for joining in during our show uh, sorry the, sorry for uh, that i i was well i sent you the I, link i'm just kidding i'm just messing with you i sent you the link it's fine you yeah. you literally came in right the perfect i mean just one minute later and it would have been done yeah i think i, I think 30 seconds Yeah. Well, well, if your call hadn't dropped at that point, then yes, you would have been. <laughs> yeah, my. Thanks, Yann. Thank thanks. my internet connection. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I am thanking some internet connection since yesterday. So. I know. Like, uh, <laughs> technical issues that we were having, but uh, thank you so much, guys, for joining in and sharing your views. Uh, hopefully, this coming week will be better uh, than what has yeah. gone by. I mean. hopefully i really wouldn't want to see it getting much worse uh, from what it has been uh, but we've got some big games this week we've got real madrid against uh, borussia mönchengladbach uh, we've got yes. barcelona as well uh, in the champions league they are taking on what they're taking on kanaya you need to check that oh, okay i thought you were, okay. barca is taking uh, is it uh, taking juventus Juventus. Wow! That's right. Oh yes, it's Barca against Juventus. This oh, right, I forgot. Right. Yes. yes. Well, Ronaldo's Chelsea, not uh, going to play. Well, Ronaldo's not going to yeah. play. He's tested yeah. positive again, so yeah. Yeah, he's, he's tested he's positive again, so he's not going to play. But well, we'll be interesting game now, and it'll be interesting Barca against Juventus. Uh, and then, Atlanta Ajax will be nice. Ajax after scoring 13 goals. Yes. Yeah. Please. Oh, I know. 13 goals from Ajax. That was an interesting game. Ajax 13 goals. Uh, yeah, it was like FIFA yeah, 21. Yeah, that one player scored five and assisted three. Right. Traore, yes, Traore scored five. Yeah, that was Traore scored five. Klasian Huntelaar scored a goal as well. Uh, United yeah. fans might remember him as a player who was going to join them back in the 2000s and the late 2000s. A player who was supposed to join them, but of course, uh, United, United probably well. remembers all of these players like these. I mean, I, I don't know how many players United remembers like these that Poor. almost joined United. Well, he is ex Real Madrid though. Just uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. So played six yeah. months for Real Madrid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Xavi Almeida, Xavi Milan, uh, interesting, interesting career for Klasian Huntela. One of my favorite players from FIFA 2007-2008 when I used to play. Yeah, always no, yes, to be he... in my team. Um, but yes, uh, yeah, he's got a goal as well. The fastest player, but I think he had 90, 95 or 96 finishing. Yeah, he was he was a good finisher. He wasn't fast, but he was a very good finisher. And yeah. I think that's one of the reasons yeah. why he never went to United because he wasn't fast. Uh, so he was never signed for that reason. Because then we had Berbatov, so he didn't really need uh, yes. another another slow player. Um, but anyway, yeah. So thirteen nil. Uh, we got United against. Uh, we've got United against Leipzig. That's a big game Leipzig, as well. Yeah. And uh, Chelsea are going to be playing against. Krasnodar. This. I'm sorry. Krasnodar. Yeah, Krasnodar. Yes, in Russia. So yeah, that's a gimme yes. game. Yeah, all the yeah, all easy games. City are playing Marseille as well. Liverpool are playing Michelin. So 
I mean, they're all easy games. Only one. Really, yeah, the United gets the Atletico game will be interesting. Atletico and Salzburg. That will be good. Yes, that will be a good game. And that that group, well, Atletico need to win because after what happened yes. in Bayern, they need to win. Yes. Uh, so that will be a very very interesting. Game. That'll be really interesting to see Barcelona playing against. I mean, uh, interesting. Barcelona's last two Champions League games has been twelve goals against Bayern. Nick. Yeah, no, Suarez, right? Yeah, no, he's just yeah, he's not. Well, I mean, you know, it's a sad thing for Suarez, but uh, maybe he'll pick up. Maybe he'll pick up form now. It's interesting as well. Salzburg has some of the stars of the future, so it'll be a good one to check as well, just to see the players that you might see. That, that's Leipzig and Salzburg have always provide been providing like really great talent. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. There's two really nice clubs for youth. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so. Something to keep an eye out as well. A good, a good uh, shopping. Uh, an interesting yeah. thing. We should probably talk about this sometime. I'll just bring it up. Upamecano and Konate, I think. Yeah. Two extremely talented defenders. Why is nobody on the market for them? So Upamecano no, has the release clause that will be activated yeah. next year for forty year, yeah. forty million pounds release clause. He signed a new yeah. contract with that, so next year he will leave yeah. for sure. Um, so they just need to work. I think that was a mistake. I think United could have signed him last year. They paid forty-five million pounds. You tell yeah. them that we're going to pay you forty-five million pounds. You're going to get forty next year. You might as well get extra five. They would have got him, but you know we're run by a bunch of idiots. So you know that that's that that fell apart. Like the the, the the theory is they will go in for him next year. Like they're going to get him next year. Yeah, yeah. Ed, you're not going to get Obamecano next year. You can you can be assured of that. Uh, that's, that's, it. That, that's what City is going to buy. That City is perfect. He's like they're like waiting. They're like already how much? Well, okay, yeah. Well, I, I mean, think they, they already paid in advanced. I'm very yeah, sure. They paid yeah. in advance. Well, well, no, I think he might go to Bayern. I think that is the feeling right now is that he might go to Bayern. That that is uh, because Bayern like him. It'll be interesting to see where he goes actually. Yeah. Um Konate I think he just transferred this year. I I think he's a new signing. I don't I don't think he was there last year. I'm not sure. But, oh, no, he, uh, he was he was. He was. Oh, okay. Um I'm not sure why Konate but I think Konate is one of those defenders I think because they see that Upamecano is really good. So maybe they feel like is Konate really that good on his own or is he yeah. not good because of Upamecano? So there's that thing. So maybe <laughs> no, in a year yeah. or two. Uh, you know, after Upamecano goes, and then he'll probably come into his own. So we'll see. But uh, but Upamecano is very highly rated, and he will be yes. next year. Just depends to be seen where he will go. A lot uh, of lot of lot of clubs need a good defense. So you know. Oh my, the, yeah, well, that's just yeah. yeah. Good defenders and short supply anyway. This uh, right now, I think right. we great. definitely need some defenders. Yeah, well, uh, Chelsea need Thiago Silva. Uh, we we're here. Thiago Silva is yes, here for a year. You got Malangsa, isn't that who you signed Malangsa? Yeah. Isn't that the yeah, but yeah. he's what seventeen or eighteen right no, now, he's right? Not I mean, not everyone's Rafael Varane. I thought he's just twenty-two. It's a twenty-one, twenty-two. No, is he? No, he's a teenager. Is he? Really? Yeah. Oh well, how are these guys so teenagers? They all twenty-two. Twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. Because oh. I remember seeing oh, him. Oh my, my bad, my bad. Oh yeah, he's twenty-two. Oh yeah, no, right, twenty-one. Right. He's twenty-one. He'll be twenty-two next year. Yeah. So um, and he's got the the long loan. He'll come back. He'll be your. You got Tomori. You got Sar. You got a decent young center. Leave some, leave some players for others to sign. Chelsea and Gian. Yes, the others, the other teams need players as well. Uh, no, others, I think, you, I think you already know who others are. Yeah, well, I think it will be Bayern. I, that will go to, or maybe uh, Manchester City. Uh, if City plump up a lot of cash, which you know they want to sign in the house because the Lord knows they need them. Even though there are so many of them, they yeah. still seem to need them. All they need is a left back, though they don't need a centre. They need a left back. But anyway, yeah. um, but uh, anyway, we'll see what happens with that. But it'll be a good game. I think Leipzig United will be a good game. Mm-hmm. I think United will see what they're missing. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, if we had time, we'd do predictions. But I think we're already way over time, and I think people are probably already bored. But uh, yeah, I mean, you could talk about it all along. But thank you so much, guys, for joining. I know it's late at night, so you guys probably want to get some uh, sleep. And uh, it's a Monday tomorrow, so you know, it's back to work day as well. I don't know if you guys are 
I, I mean, I, um, it's mostly work from home these days, but uh, yeah, I, I want to, I don't want to be the reason for your unproductivity at work, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but thank you guys. If you enjoyed this video and this really, really mishmash, uh, I don't even know what to call it, but this mishmash whole thing that we just done, uh, please remember to like and share uh, with your friends, family. You can also subscribe to our channel. Uh, we don't do as many, uh, I'll say this, we don't do as many of these type of videos. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but if you subscribe, if we get more subscribers then we'll know whether this was a good thing or a bad thing, but remember to subscribe to our channel as well. We're trying to get to 200 subscribers. We are well on our way now. We're, um, uh, we're at 106 right now. So try to help us get to that goal. Um, yeah, so please remember to subscribe and uh, we'll see you again uh, this week with a few more match reactions and the previous show. We're thinking of doing something different, so we'll keep you updated on what we do with, the, with these shows. But if the meantime, uh, please have a good day, have a good week, and we'll see you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Right, thanks, guys. Thank you for joining. Uh, very nice. Uh, very good, uh, yeah. What do you... Uh, I was just thinking, do, do you... Um... Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to that episode of Late Night Football. We need your help to grow this channel, so if you've been enjoying the show thus far, please do like and subscribe to this channel and share it with your friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, drinking buddies, fellow football fans, and anybody else you know or don't know. We really appreciate it. Uh, please also follow us on Twitter and Facebook via the links in the description below and spread the word about us. Take care.